So tonight I'd like to talk about a um, very um, central part of the path of awakening, which is the practice of what's called samadhi, which is in fact what we're doing. Sometimes in Thailand, instead of using the word meditation, the word samadhi is used. It's a very um, common way of just referring to someone sitting cross-legged and quiet and still as we've been. And then one would say they're, they're practicing samadhi or sitting in samadhi. There's also many different ways of understanding and interpreting this word. In some schools it, it means a really deep and profound state of concentration and absorption. In other schools, like Ajahn Chah would say, just, just, you just need a certain amount of samadhi for wisdom, the kind of level of concentration you'd need to read a book, which puts it in our ballpark. <laughs> he was very good like that, he made it very doable. <laughs> uh, but it is, a, it is, in fact, the Buddha talks a lot about this cultivation of this, this faculty of the, of the mind, and it's a very important uh, skill to be able to cultivate and to develop. Sometimes it's des- designated as the central aspect of the path, sometimes the path. In talking about the path, the Buddha talked about a path, the path that leads from the state of suffering or dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, to non-suffering, to the release from dukkha, to the recognition of what he called Nibbāna, or the Amata Dharma, the deathless Dharma. That there is a journey that happens from one state to another, to this deeper realization. Or sometimes the analogy of crossing a great ocean from a shore that's unsafe to a safe shore. These are analogies for the journey or the path of awakening. And in a certain way, although it sounds like a path to somewhere else, in reality it's more like a path that's deepening us ever more in the present, where we've always been. It's a path that takes us more into the, the deeper reality of the moment, of our experience, of our depth of our being, our awakened nature. But it's, nevertheless, it's a paradox because it is also a journey and it is also has some sense of movement and cultivation within it. And as I've been mentioning, that the path is something that we apply. The, there are different factors within the path, different aspects of the path that we can actually do. And in applying those faculties and aspects and activity of the path moment by moment, then in and of itself the fruition of that path activity comes about, the awakening, the ripening of insight, the deepening of compassion. But this path is sometimes talked about in three aspects, sila, samadhi and panya. Sila, the foundation which is to do with an internal cultivation of ethics. It's about understanding that we live in a world where what we 
put in motion from our, the intention of the mind, from the activity of our speech and our actions, there, that that brings about a result, that there's an effect. And therefore, if we want the results of what we bring about in our lives and in our collective world, if we want them to be more harmonious or more skillful, then it depends a lot on the state of our intentionality in terms of what we create. So when we really understand this, then it makes perfect sense to try and hone our lives and our actions and our intentions to that which is as the, the most harmless as possible, the most careful as possible. And so this, this sometimes in Buddhist understanding, ethics or sila is considered like the, the guardians, that which guards and protects the mind, that which guards and protects society, protects the world. When there's a breakdown of this ethic, this internal ethic, then there's chaos externally and internally, psychologically. We can't really rest in peace because there's a lot of repercussions from the unskillful or unskillful actions. Even if difficult things happen to us, if we can trust our own integrity and our impeccability, then we can withstand the difficulties. People blame us or criticize us or, or the results of what's gone before comes about and ripens in difficult ways, we can still be very protected by knowing that the truth of our own integrity and therefore we can maintain our own inner psychological cohesion. The sense of self has some inner respect. And that's really important. Why it's important, it's not just about being good. I mean, it's nice, it's good to be good. It's not, but it's not really about that. It's a very profound understanding of the nature of mind and what it takes to actually build a, a, a foundation upon which then the meditation is based, this middle and second part of the path, which is this, it's what we're doing here on this retreat, this cultivation of samadhi or gathering. It's very hard to cultivate a gathered mind when we're constantly having to deal with the repercussions in the waves of what's been set in motion in our lives, if if they if what's been set in motion has come from from a, a lack of integrity, then really we have to sort of somehow close down and become defended from the feeling the results of that. And so you know, we, then our meditation can become a rigid thing. We don't. We just want to control our experience and try and not feel rather than actually one of the keys of samadhi is really being able to relax and to open and to trust enough to be to be fully here to be present and we can do that when we have this internal it's something we cultivate we all earn we all make mistakes and we all do things that we could have done better and, and we learn from that and move on but you know, the more internally there's this sense of self, inner self-worth and self-respect and self-integrity then it creates a, a stable ground for this middle part of the path the samadhi and then as the mind is gathered 
Samadhi literally means um, some has the sense of of um, together, and the the R the R has the sense of movement in it, moving, and D D D H I has this, has is the root of the word like darani D means to hold. It's also a word that's connected with the holding of mantras or the holding of a practice. So it has the idea of moving or cultivating a holding that has this togetherness, an integrative. There's an integration of the energies of body, mind and heart. Body and mind. And there's a sort of a real sense of the energy being very holistic and very grounded and very gathered and, and, and a real sense of the mind being having a sort of a, a solidity about it, unshakability. And that quality of mind, when it's gathered, it has clarity and, and is able to, whatever it turns itself towards, is able to see the nature of of what one is investigating or inquiring into. Wisdom can arise. And this is the third part of the path, is the wisdom, the insight that arises from a gathered mind or mind in samadhi. So these three aspects of the path, ethics, concentration, although I don't particularly think that word gives full justice to the word, to the, uh, to the sense of samadhi and 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 wisdom, ethics, samadhi, wisdom, sila, samadhi, panya. These these are the three areas that are, that we cultivate. We can cultivate in the path activity. One uh, great meditation master of Thailand, Ajahn Lee, was actually passed over, but he was considered to have a great samadhi. He's known as the king of samadhi. And he, uh, his teachings are, are recorded quite extensively by one of his Western disciples who's got the same name as me, funny enough, Tanisaro. Tanisaro Bhikkhu, you've probably heard of him. He's a contemporary translator. Ajahn Lee made the analogy of the path being like a bridge, making a bridge across a fast-flowing river. And then when you make a bridge, you have to plunge down into the earth on each side of that river and into the middle of the river. Um, what do you call the things that hold up a bridge? <laughs> yeah. Think of the word, sorry? Yeah, something like that, pylons or, or um, anyway, you know what I mean. Sorry, supports, thank you. <laughs> supports for the bridge, three supports. And he said that at, in a certain way, the support on the near bank and on the far bank are easier because they go into the ground. This is just an analogy and the ground, you can, you can see that. It's stable. This is an analogy for the cultivation of ethics. In some ways, it's, it's not easy, but it's tangible. 
one can work at it, one can feel, you know, where, what is one's behaviour, what's one's intentionality behind, what's one, you know, what, what we're doing in life. And then the, the further shore, the support in the ground there is the analogy for wisdom, is to see, to be able to see and to reflect and to discern. In some ways that too has a certain tangibility about it, but this middle support, he said, is the most difficult because you have to plunge it down through the currents of a fast-flowing river into the ground beneath. And he said, it's a bit like that's the practice of samadhi, that you're plunging down this activity of stabilizing the mind through, through or, or stabilizing attention through the fast-flowing currents of the mind. It takes a lot of patience. It's easy to just get swept away. And also when you plunge that pole down through the river, you start, there's some stillness there, some steadiness, but then what it accentuates the, the movement and the rapidity of the mind, which is probably what you've experienced today. The Buddha said it's a bit like when we do this practice, it's a bit like putting a stake and then in the ground, and, and then a rope to an elephant, the elephant being the mind, you know. It, the elephant just pulls out that stake and wanders off. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit like the mind, you say, stay here, and it's just, got to be kidding, I'm out of here, you know. There's a lot of energy, a lot of power, because over our lifetime we invested a lot of energy in our thinking patterns and in our habits and our di- distracted ways of being. So then when we sit, we feel that. We feel the pull in the currents of the mind. And it's not easy to withstand that pressure. So the practice of samadhi, the, the, the Buddha said, first of all, we have to be able to withstand a certain amount of discomfort in doing this practice. We have to build some strength to be able to withstand the impingement sensory impingement, but also the impingement that comes and arises from the momentum of the mind. We not always just have to move with that, but to just withstand and hold to the practice. And this is why this, this practice is actually a very important one for the times we're in, I think, is to be able to withstand the pressure and the intensity of an increasingly polarized and crazy world, and world in a state of quite a lot of danger, actually, in terms of what's happening environmentally and on every other level, where there is a sort of a breakdown. We're experiencing, we're living through a breakdown of the many of the systems that we've relied on through our lifetime anyway the economic system, the political systems, the ecological systems, they're not dependable in the same way anymore. And that's pretty scary in a certain way. And it's easy if we haven't got any rootedness in the ground of our being, which is really what samadhi is about, in the, the profound awareness of the heart, then it's easy just to get activated into into fear and into dread and into anxiety. 
So we, we practice this withstanding the difficulty of staying with a practice when everything is wanting to move or everything is um, is not that it's not that easy to be with what we're feeling or what the mind is doing or our habits or our wish to just to keep trying to absorb into some distraction somehow. But it's very it's something we can do. We can little by little train ourselves to to be here. In this training of samadhi, the Buddha talked about five aspects that we can actually cultivate, which helps steady the mind in the body and help infuse the body with the, the awareness of the mind. So we begin to feel this sense of gatheredness. And we've been, we might not have been aware that we've been practicing these five skills today, but we have, they're called the five jhana factors, factors that support a deepening of this gathering, a deepening of this samadhi. The first one is called vitaka which is the ability to direct, using the thought to direct attention. If you notice where there's, there was a teaching that the Buddha gave in a sutta called the Mula Sutta, which means the Root Sutta, where he says a very, very profound thing. He said, this world is born of attention. Born of attention are all things. It's interesting because we think of the world, we think of it as some something out there that's independent from us that's happening. It's not so much talking about the world out there, but it's talking about our experience of the world. Where we place attention, that is where we the world appears for us. So if I place my attention in the past, then I start to live the world of the past, whatever it happens to be. If I place my attention, usually we don't place our attention, our attention just gets dragged <laughs> by the momentum of this current of the mind, you know, what is got still a lot of energy around it, unresolved stories and feelings and issues and emotions and and deeper currents within the unconscious that we haven't really made conscious yet, dread or hopes, fears. And then the attention gets dragged towards the pull of those energies and we find a world appearing. And in that world is the sense of self, the sense of me experiencing something. But, what, but the whole point of this mindfulness training is that one can train attention, one can place attention, rather than it just being dragged, and, and with it the sense of me being dragged along and created again and again in these different worlds that we are then destined to live within, and that are usually connected with some sort of suffering or stress or struggle, 
if it's just this unconscious momentum. So this vitaka, this first jhana factor, is about the skill of using the thought consciously to direct attention. Attention will follow like a dog on a lead. (laughs) It will follow a a thought form. So you can say, like the word butho, I was mentioning yesterday, the mantra butho. I use that a lot because it's a really lovely practice in the mind or in the body when there's some sort of um, lack of stability and some difficult state just infusing into that experience the word bud to with the breath breathing in bud breathing out to bud to so gradually it helps to steady and calm and center and deepen one's awareness here and now or a thought like Breathing in, breathing out. Or a thought like, how is it now? What's present for you now? What's present for me now? And this invites, actually that's a really lovely way of bringing attention. It's a lovely vitaka to use that thought form, what's present now, because it invites attention. And attention tends to follow more easily if there's that sense of invitation rather than being pushed along by an act of will. So this first aspect of the training of attention is very key to deepening this capacity for samadhi, to be able to keep directing attention here. And here, as as we've been cultivating, here to the body. This is the first foundation. To something that's actually tangible, rather than here to thinking about, here to the body to the body in the breath, the breath within the body. And something as simple like taking a deeper breath to really catch that attention so that you can feel feel the body. Which leads us into this second jhana factor called vichara, which is about once we've brought attention to our experience, it's about staying connected with our whatever we've brought attention to. It's no good just going breath, 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 breath. It gets exhausting. And that's often what people do when they start to practice samadhi. They just keep going, <laughs> like using a lot of will to go do the breath, breath, but they can't stay, can't stay connected, keep falling away because they haven't really developed this this other dimension of the training of attention which is learning to receive what we've brought attention to to really feel say if we say breath to feel the breath to become interested it's the it's that which when there's interest then it's easier to stay here even if at first it's not very interesting oh the breath you know not not that again oh just me just the body it's more interesting out there. The, the, the interesting thing in the meditation retreat is we scope it out within the first day and realize 
God, there's nothing interesting. <laughs> you know, read all the labels, read all the posters, see everyone, and then it's just like, where else? You know, done all the walks. You know, so it's, it's so we're we're confronted with how much the mind is constantly looking to absorb. So, so the art of the second factor of the development of samadhi is to actually become deeper in the sense of interest in what's here. The very thing we usually dismiss, our own being, our own body, our own breath. And you might have had a feeling of that sometimes when we really start to, there's some, the elephant finally lays down and is willing to be here, not just pull away to the next thing. And you start to feel the breath, and there starts to be some calming and some centering. It can become very, very pleasant, actually. You don't want to go anywhere else at a certain point. You don't want to be disturbed. So this vichara is about staying connected, feeling, it's receiving whatever we've brought our attention to, in this case the body and the breath, but it's also then, it's, it's, it's also allowing yourself to receive information. It's very connected with a, a faculty of enlightenment called Dhamma Vijaya, where you investigate, you get information, and you, you bring your attention to your body and you notice your body's tight. So you don't just bring attention there, and then you stay there. You have to adjust. Oh, I need to relax my shoulders. Oh, I need to breathe a bit more deeply. Oh, I need a little bit more energy. Oh, I need to actually let go a bit more. Oh, I need to open my eyes because I'm falling asleep. Oh, I need to actually be a bit firmer bringing my attention here because I've just got caught in this old storyline. It's not really serving me. Oh, I need to be patient because this storyline won't stop. So I'm not going to be able to do a lot, but I just... So there's this adjustment. It's not just like one method and you just go, boof, and you just try and keep bashing away at it. There has to be some sense of adjusting in relationship to your experience of the energy of your body, the way the mind is, what's happening. And as one starts to get that balance and becomes more present, then the third and fourth factors... The third factor is um, pity, P-I-T-I, not the pity as in English, P-I-T-I, and then the sec- third, uh, fourth factor, sukha, opposite of dukkha, sukha meaning ease or pleasure. Pity, pity is, um, is sometimes translated as rapture, which might sound a bit... I actually don't like the word because of all the connotations of people disappearing at the end of the era, age. Or it's got kind of strange connotations. But it's about the pleasure, the pleasure of meditation. It's about really allowing yourself to savor and be filled with, as you start to become more present, as the, as the attention starts to really stay present, there's a what starts to happen is that the awareness starts to fill the body. You feel the the mind's awareness starts to suffuse the body. The mind starts to steady on the rhythm of the body. And it's very, very pleasant. It can be blissful. 
can be a sense of being filled with this presence. You start to feel, this is the feeling or the taste of samadhi. This is what this is about. And one can start to feel the, the, the sense of some solidity of the mind. Instead of the mind being something touches the mind and it, the thought form, the whole mind gets coloured. It's a bit like something touches and the mind might feel, but it doesn't just get completely coloured. It's able to maintain its own awareness. And even if you know, the, the art of beginning to access this quality of pleasure in the meditation is really being able to stay connected with sensation in the body, even if it's an unpleasant sensation actually at first. It's not that we have to look for pleasant sensations. It's, not, it's, it's the act of actually the gathering of awareness that happens when attention is stabilised. That's what begins to fill the body with this light, with this pleasure, with this peace. So even if we're just staying with a not very pleasant sensation, it's the act of staying that starts to, as one, one of my teachers said, it's like a boat that's been stuck on the sand, and then the tide comes in, and then gradually, gradually it just starts to lift the boat, and there's a buoyancy. You just feel this buoyancy. It's a bit like that kind of a feeling. What's been stuck and heavy, you just keep staying there, staying there, to the best of your ability, adjusting, being with the breath, being with the sensation. Gradually this buoyancy can start to appear, which starts to help us enter more profoundly this fourth factor of sukha, which is about ease. It's about learning to be easeful in the moments of our existence. When there's some samadhi, it doesn't matter where we are, we can access ease. This is about learning to access inner well-being that's not dependent so much on the circumstance of the world. Like my, like my teacher, Ajahn Chah, wherever he was, he was, he was very happy, actually, very... Nothing really daunted him. Once he was walking down, just his first visit to the West, and um, he, he was in London, this is in the 1970s. And in Thailand he was considered a great, you know, he was a great master, so he had a huge amount of respect shown to him by the king and the queen and the aristocracy and, and the people of Thailand. When he came to London one day, he was walking down the road and some young kids, youths, came up to him and went, oh, Kung Fu, and they started trying to kick him with their feet, putting up their feet towards him. They didn't fortunately kick him, but in Thailand, the worst thing you can do to show respect is to point your feet at someone. 
So he just kind of noted this and walked on, and then he got back to the house where they were staying, and the Western monks with him were mortified. It was so upset, and then Ajahn Chah would turn around and start laughing. He said, oh, you've got some really good teachers here, I see. (laughs) This is just, rather than get upset, he wasn't perturbed. It was just like immediately his mind said, yeah, this is something to reflect on. Rather than get so upset by the every way that the wind blows in the world. Praise, blame, happiness, unhappiness, success, failure, loss, gain. We're going to experience it all. If there's no samadhi, no gatheredness, we just get washed around. So this is a skill, although it's it's you know it's not takes time to cultivate, it's really worth keep honing this cultivation of these factors, these path activity. This fourth fact of sukha is about learning to relax, to have ease, to let the body, to feel, to use this practice to help the body relax more. To access an inner sense of well-being. And as we do so, this fifth factor starts to arise. It's called ekagata, which means that there's a unification the fruit and the taste of samadhi, when there's this real gatheredness, then there isn't the sense of mind, body, breath. It becomes a unified whole. It's just within awareness, there's a sense of unified, integrated wholeness. And the mind then in samadhi, infusing the body. Ajahn Lee said, always in this practice, always keep the body around, don't try and have a samadhi where we become disembodied, keep coming back and feeling into the body, bringing the light of the mind, the awareness of the mind into the body, helping the body be infused, sometimes this samadhi is called then, it helps heal the body and then helping the mind settle on the slower rhythm of the body so that they work together. And then this, the heart, the jitta, begins to be able to release from some of its suffering, its patternings. It starts to taste its profound nature as awareness. So when there's this kind of internal gatheredness of samadhi, the, one of the fruits is that, that there's a real sense of being less bound by time. It's a more timeless state, being less affected. Well, it's not being defended from the world, but less affected and overwhelmed and irritated by sensory contact. The ability, as I said at the beginning, to withstand contact. A sense of inner ease, a sense of lightness. Sometimes there can be a feeling of lightness, sometimes there can be a feeling of solidity. Sometimes the body can feel big, sometimes it can feel small. Sometimes it can feel spacious, sometimes it can feel very integrated.
So the Buddha gave a, a lovely analogy for this, <clears throat> for this cultivation of what's called the first jhana. And I use that word not to, to try and activate everyone in, oh, I've got to attain something, but to realize that actually this is a very accessible practice for us. This is the analogy he gave. He said it's a bit like in the, de- in the times of the Buddha, there were people that would prepare baths for other people. They, were, they would help. I guess there would be, like, be bath houses that people would go to. And he said it's a bit like if someone goes to, to a bath to get a bath. It's called the bathman's apprentice. And then someone comes, the apprentice who's helping prepare the bath. And he gets a lovely big bowl, a big brass bowl. And in that bowl he puts flakes, soap flakes, which are all separated from each other. And then to help moisten the soap flakes, the bathman's apprentice puts water, drips of water, into those flakes and then starts to massage the flakes. And so that as the massaging and the water in the flakes, the combination of that together begins to change the consistency of the flakes, it changes into something else. It changes its substance, it becomes foam. And that foam then can be used to wash. And he said it's the same way this practice or this cultivating of this first jhana is a bit like the bowl, is like the awareness, the natural awareness of the mind. And within that awareness there's the body. And the body, when there's no cultivation, we feel the body a bit like those flakes. Everything is split apart, heavy, lumpy, a bit of ourselves here, a bit of us, <laughs> you know, suffering, numb. You know, we, we don't feel so good. But little by little, those flakes are there. We hold, the, we hold this body. We hold our experience. We just trust the power of this awareness. We just hold the whole body in this awareness. Even if it's not pleasant, even if we're all over the place, we just keep, keep stilling, keep being here, keep withstanding, keep holding. And then little by little, like those water, that water, drop, drop, drops of mindfulness, drops of attentiveness, drops of presence, with the breath, drop, drop, drip, 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 drop, drop. And then the massaging is like the breath. The awareness and the, and the attentiveness to the breath. It begins little by little, it changes the substance of the body. The body starts to not feel, the body and the mind become more unified. The body starts to feel less lumpy and dislocated. It becomes a ple- more of a pleasing abiding. And in that process, there's a, a unification starts to happen. And a cleansing and a healing. So these are some of the fruits of samadhi. The Buddha said the fruit of samadhi is it helps generate a, pre- a pleasant abiding here and now. It helps us to be present for our lives. It helps for the mind to naturally bring forth clarity. 
and it helps to cultivate this sense of deep contentment. So we have some um, time still on our retreat to take this opportunity. This is a perfect opportunity to have this protected space to cultivate these factors of the path, this cultivation of samadhi. And to realize it's not just about doing it for being on retreat or in our meditation, but it's about developing this so that when we go into the world, and we get lost or overwhelmed or confused, that we have a way of returning back to the path once we understand where, how to find that path. And we find that path every time, very simply, when we just invite the attention, how is it now to come to connect with the breath, with the body? As soon as we do that, we're back on the royal road of awakening. The way to the one, the practice of mindfulness that the Buddha talked about. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.